Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to Saving Lives in Slow Motion. Today, I'd like to talk about the NHS at 75. Yeah, today is a special episode because earlier this week, the NHS turned 75 years old and... I really want to dedicate an episode to the NHS. I know some of you might find it a bit dull or boring, but it's something we take for granted in the countries that enjoy free healthcare at the point of access. Now, if you've grown up with the NHS, which I have, it's completely in my blood. My parents were both NHS doctors who predominantly worked in in hospitals, and my mum worked in the community for a while. But you know, having grown up with that culture and being a doctor myself, being married to a doctor as well, I'm completely enveloped in brand NHS. And people's views are really polarised when it comes to the NHS. It's an organisation that was founded by a Welsh Labour politician called Anurin Bevan, or Nye Bevan. And I just wanted to go over the first principles of the NHS, the three essential values of the NHS when it was born on the 5th of July 1948. And they were, are, that the services helped everyone. So there's no exclusivity here. It is something that is for everyone. Secondly, that healthcare was to be free And thirdly, that it was based on need rather than the ability to pay. What a wonderful thing. And actually growing up, I'll give you some experiences of mine because I want to sort of give you some colour in terms of what it was like living in the NHS. And I say that in literal terms. So myself and actually a great friend of mine, the actress Sinetra Saka, we used to live in-hospital accommodation when we were at primary school, probably between the ages of around five and ten. And apart from that, actually, interestingly, my dad and mum went to medical school with Sinetra's dad, so, and randomly ended up working at the same hospital in Liverpool, a place called Fazakali, which is, is no longer functioning as a hospital, sadly. But we used to live in these blocks of flats, and there was a real community of doctors, nurses, porters, kitchen staff, 
almost a little bit like being in the armed forces in some way, like barracks, you know, where everyone knew everyone. I remember this big doctor's mess with a canteen and a full-size snooker table, which I wasn't much taller than, actually. And this sense of camaraderie, although when I listen to stories about the hours that my parents worked, you know, these 100-hour weeks, so, you know, you'd go into work on a Monday morning and then come back on Tuesday evening, having had no sleep, and then you're in Wednesday morning again and then back Thursday night with no sleep. It was called a one-in-two rotor. And actually, by the time I'd qualified by the sort of mid to late 90s, that kind of rotor had started to disappear, thankfully. So um, although I do remember some brutal weekends, which started on Saturday morning and finished on Monday afternoon or Monday evening, often with very little or no sleep, it then went to a full shift system where you do 12 hours, for example, and then disappear and then come back for 12 hours. Now, one of the things that that change to full shifts did was, yes, it's much better in terms of human rights, in terms of sleep and rest, because often you would hear about people just literally dropping dead on a shift. The one thing it did retain was continuity, and actually full shifts where there's a lot more handover sometimes isn't the best for patients and relatives it's a difficult balance because you don't want the workforce to be exhausted but then you want some sort of continuity of care but rather than me get carried away with sentiment and memories um what about actual milestones in the nhs so um if we think about i mean there's just been so much since 1948 so 1968 was the first heart transplant to take place in the uk but the first successful one was deemed to take place in 1979. But the point being that these cutting-edge technologies all occurred through this incredible institution, which was... I know we, we fund it via taxes, but if you think about the fact that the patient doesn't pay and you compare it to what happens across the Atlantic in the United States... And in the show notes, I'll, I'll give you an example of what happens if you add up all of the items that you have to pay for for a hospital stay. It is pretty astonishing. So heart transplant, what else was there? Well, um, there was the world's first baby born via IVF, Louise Brown, born in 1978. Breast screening got rolled out in 1988 to screen for breast cancer. And I, I, I want to just make a real point here because I've done this myself, even though, and I'm, I'm slightly ashamed, I have to say, because I should know better. But it's so easy to take something that is free for granted. And, you know, not to get on a soapbox, but over the years, needs, which is what the NHS is all about, have somehow become wants. And I think that is partly to do with taking things for granted, modern life, our expectations of convenience culture. And with what's been going on in recent years in terms of a lack of funding and resource and frankly a massive exodus of people leaving NHS roles, the people who are left in the NHS have less to work with. There's less of us and so the strain is even greater and it makes it really hard for patients and it makes it really hard for staff. Um, 
and it's tiring for for every party involved but putting that you know element of resentment aside because there is some and i know people will listen to this some people and they'll go well the nhs has done nothing for me or the nhs wasn't there when i really needed them um hey i'm sorry if that's the case but i'm also sick of apologizing in a way and i think a lot of people in the nhs are because it's it's not our fault in fact what makes it run so well is the goodwill and the good nature of the people who work in it and I do want to take my hat off to them. Um, you know, you've got to remember we're patients as well. We use the service, so we understand its limitations and the fact that it's not perfect, but nothing is. And I think, you know, when people in other sectors come along and tell us how to do things in the NHS, you've got to remember that as an organisation, it's very similar to other organisations from that era, a bit like the BBC, which is why I felt so at home there because things are a bit archaic and there is quite a lot of red tape and these funny rules. And to actually change something in an organisation that's that big is not easy. Everyone seems to have the power to say no, but very few people have the power to say yes. And it's great if you've got stacks of money and you're very corporate and you've got different divisions that do different things, but actually a lot of what has historically happened in the NHS is is very much, you know, if you think about the doctor's surgery, for example, it's very much a house and the front room is the waiting room, the back room is uh, a consulting room and there's a nurse's room, which is where the kitchen and sluice and all that stuff would be. And often someone else in the house would, you know, answer calls for the doctor at home out of hours. So if you've developed from that kind of model and then you're thinking about um, being corporate. I mean, can you imagine the leap that you have to take? But jumping right forward, I think the NHS has done incredibly well to keep up with the times. It's all, you know, for all of its foibles, we still have access to cutting edge research, drugs that are prohibitively expensive if you were to pay for them yourself, certain cancer drugs, for example, and access, which I know can be difficult, relatively quickly. There's not many places in the world that you can say that. In fact, none, I would argue, apart from those of us who are lucky enough to have the NHS. So there'll be some links in the show notes with impressive data, which I don't want to waste time on talking about. But I want to really give you a flavour of the NHS at its best. And unfortunately, I have to say that the way that um, the NHS now is being managed, because there's a bit of a crisis in terms of funding and what to do and the governments tend to throw money at management consultants who don't really understand how we work however clever they might be the kind of golden era for me was between about i'd say sort of 20 to 10 years ago when the nhs was working pretty well it was always busy it's always stretched but not like it is now and there was a particularly memorable case from years ago that I remember that came in via A&E. So in A&E sometimes there used to be something called a trauma call, usually when there's a big road traffic accident or other kind of accident where there's been some kind of trauma. It used to always make my heart stop a little bit um, because of this, the anticipation of having to deal with people with very severe injuries. And there was 
A 17-year-old involved in a car accident, no fault of his own, was hit by a drink driver. And I think his car tumbled and he broke one of his legs in several places. It um, was pretty harrowing, actually, and I, I remember it. It looked like his leg had three knees. And anyway, we were all up in the middle of the night, um, which is when this happened. And remember speaking to this poor guy who was in a lot of pain and we had to pull his leg straight it's called reducing a fracture and you get x-rays before and after and and then his his mother came in who must have been I would guess at the time probably late 40s and naturally was beside herself Um, and over the next few days uh, once he was stable on the ward he went to theatre on on the next day's trauma list for relatively complicated surgery involving nails and pins and all sorts of orthopaedic procedures and um, one of the days after a ward round the the patient's mum started to feel unwell a bit queasy and kind of fainted on the ward so in in that sort of setting in a hospital it's often the case that people who fall ill get taken to A&E it's just what used to happen Anyway, cut a long story short, I didn't really think too much about it, but um, I noticed the day after and the day after she wasn't on the ward, and I asked one of the nurses what had happened, and she'd actually had a heart attack and was herself admitted on the coronary care unit, which is in another part of the hospital. It had all got a bit complicated and convoluted, and it turned out, from I learnt from the nurses anyway, that she didn't want her son to know that this had happened and the only other person in the house as it were at the time was an older sister but what i what i loved about it in in retrospect was at a time of such adversity when i saw this lady um a couple of weeks later all she had was gratitude and thanks and i just remember thinking i i was young and naive then thinking how can you be so positive you've had like one of the worst times in your life you know your son has almost lost his leg you've just had a heart attack and I I was humbled because all she had was praise for the NHS and how lucky she was she kept saying we are just so lucky I'm so lucky I was here um, that I got treated imagine if I was at home um, and you know it kind of makes me emotional now just thinking about it irrespective of the fact that you don't pay for your care here it was just her appreciation that hit me and it stayed with me and you know when the chips are down and I'm having a bad day at work or someone's frustrated with the system I try and think about her and that centres me and then I try and think myself you know how lucky are we I don't know how long the NHS has got and in terms of its future it's uncertain healthcare is expensive as you'll see in the show notes and we need a radical rethink in what we prioritize and how it's funded and how we look after the people that look after us in the NHS but while we can let's celebrate it happy birthday NHS you 75 year old legend and I am going to end on a quote because I was very lucky in 2017 uh, to be able to chair a session at the Royal Society of Medicine 
as part of Talk NHS, and I got to meet Professor Stephen Hawking before he died. And he gave a keynote speech, and in it, he says, I wouldn't be here today if it were not for the NHS. I've received a large amount of high-quality treatment without which I would not have survived. And, you know, the same goes for me, and the same goes for a lot of people I know. Do let me know about your experiences of the NHS, whether you think it's good, bad, ugly. Um, And I'd love to hear from you if you're someone who works in the NHS and what your thoughts and feelings are at the moment. It's a complex, wonderful, difficult, but warm place to be at the same time. It's the most enigmatic place to work, I think. In the meantime, thank you again for listening. Thank you for your support. I really appreciate it. Do keep ideas coming in in terms of things that you want me to cover and do take care of yourselves. Look after yourself. Stay well. Take care. And until next time, bye for now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.